It's time for WAKR's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton, your home for copiers, printers, and supplies. This week, something special, a bonus edition, where we continue and expand our conversation about the effect of social media on kids with CBS Tech contributor Ian Schur. It's a timely conversation because Meta, the company that owns both Facebook and Instagram, just this week announced that in an effort to protect kids' and teens' mental health, they're restricting the kinds of things that kids can see while they're using the apps. And since it comes just days before Ohio's new social media law requiring parental consent for kids was supposed to go into effect, I thought that it would be a perfect time to explore the topic. While we have no idea what may or may not happen with that law, which is on hold right now while a lawsuit filed by an organization representing the tech industry is pending, what we do know is at least when it comes to meta products, some kind of new limits are going to be imposed. More from Ian Schur. What's really interesting is that meta realizes that they are in a really tough bind right now. They have this research that's coming out through the Wall Street Journal and other places that was leaked very much like the tobacco industry went through 30 years ago, where we have learned that their own internal research showed that they were negatively impacting teenagers' mental health just by using the app. And it was a huge problem, right? Obviously, uh, we have a mental health issue in this country. And it's something that we've particularly started talking about a lot in the last few years. And here we find out Facebook um, is aware that they're having a negative impact. And what are they going to do about it, right? So this, in the most recent move that Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, has done, is that they've said, okay, we're going to make sure that people have, and I'm using air quotes here, age-appropriate experiences So that means, for example, that if you are someone that they know is under the age of 18, what they will do is limit the types of stuff that you're able to see, particularly to avoid uh, having a negative impact on your mental health. So, for example, self-harm content, right, or stuff about eating disorders or stuff like that. It's just not going to show up in your feed at all. Now, you're not going to know this, right? It's just not going to show up. But if you even search for it, it's going to not give you any results. Instead, it's going to give you uh, an option. Hey, do, do you feel like you need some help? We uh, here are some numbers to some helplines uh, from you know nonprofits and whatnot, and, or reach out to a friend, right? And they're hoping maybe this will help with some of these issues. But obviously, uh, you know, one of the struggles they're up against is that. You can't control what people see online. It's very hard. So I, uh, I'm curious to see how this is going to work out. So here's my question. When it comes to what they knew internally, it's always that question of what did they know and when did they know it, right? Yeah. So what they knew internally was that it was, as you said, causing some mental health issues. Do you have any insight is into what that means? Does that mean that people were having... Uh, attention disorders or they were feeling anxiety or they were worried about their weight or what do you know anything more about that we have we have some anecdotal evidence of what it was right and and unfortunately because we're dealing with 
you know, Facebook has half the world's online population using it, right? We're talking billions of people with a B. That's more than I can actually imagine in my head in a group together that it's almost impossible to be able to identify specific stuff. So we've got a lot of anecdotal evidence that adds up. So a lot of this, it's not so much on attention issues, right? That's a, that's another conversation. It's more about stuff like the uh, issues around depression and self-worth. So yes, body image, all sorts of stuff uh, comes up in that conversation. And the research that, that uh, they found, that they did, right? And this was internal, was that they were doing surveys of people using these apps and asking them whether they felt better or worse after using it, after seeing a certain thing or whatever. And so there was consistent data coming back from those surveys that was saying people were feeling worse, basically, <laughs> as they used the app. Huh. That's interesting because, you know, the the selling point, obviously, for social media is that it connects everybody in kind mm -hmm. of a group hug, kumbaya kind of way and that we can we can all get along and we have our friends and it's just going to be great. Um, I miss those days. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I know at least for adults, a lot of times, you know, you have that feeling like, oh, gosh, everybody else is having a much cooler vacation than than right. me or something, yeah. or their lives are so much more interesting than mine. But as an adult, I'm also able to just look at that and say, well, you know, they're just showing me what they want me to see. And I don't really necessarily believe that. And sometimes I go away feeling a little bit worse, but most of the time I can just shrug it off. But I guess that's just not the same for, for children and for young adults or yeah, I mean, and, for teenagers, let's say. Well, yes. And part of that is because of their developmental stages, right? And I'm not a doctor, but you know, there is there is a lot of of science around that when you're under the age, particularly of 25 or so, that a lot of your reasoning skills just aren't fully there yet, right? And you're honestly just a different person. And uh, so part of this is about exposing people two things at the appropriate times. Now, obviously, part of the struggle here is no matter what the science says, the government says you're an adult at the age of 18. And a lot of uh, world religions see you as an adult at the age of 13. Uh, so that's part of why these systems are set up this way, right? That we have the children protection rules on the internet at the age of 13, not 18. And we're constantly struggling against that they are still learning how to be in the world. I mean, honestly, so am I. But, you know, they are still learning who they are and what they are and what the world is about. And when you are exposing people to that, to, you know, people acting in bad faith or even people who might be acting in good faith but have bad, uh, you know, kind of follow-on effects, people get worried, right? And Facebook, for better or worse, is being blamed for a lot of these issues. And so they are trying to solve some of them through technology. Uh, I think a lot of us can sit here and argue that technology can't solve these problems alone. And yes, the 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 broadening of access to ideas is amazing. Um, but along with that comes responsibility in from ourselves and our families to help us deal with this, right? Same thing with, you know, when people were worried about MTV, right? <laughs> you know, you couldn't stop people from watching MTV. It was right there on the TV. So instead, 
you had to start having conversations about what it meant, what you saw, who these people were, where it fits in your own kind of values and all of that. And those are sticky issues, right? We debate these things every day. So, of course, it's tough. Hmm. You know, what this is reminding me of is back in the day when big tobacco kind of ruled mm-hmm. the world and they were serving up the Joe Camel ads yes. on billboards and TV, you know, cartoons and stuff like that. And then eventually the federal government came in and said, look, you know that this is harmful for everybody. And we can't make it so that adults can't smoke, but we can sure make it so that you can't advertise to kids. And so yeah. so they did change. But it yes. was, again, it was another big industry that had plenty of internal data saying, hey, what we're doing is actually killing people. And it's really right. bad for kids. Yeah. And, and, and how do you deal with that in a world where we value freedom of movement and expression, right? You, you have a right to smoke if you want to. Uh, you don't have a right to hurt other people as you're doing it. You know, I think what's interesting is that just in that same idea, part of what we're going through now with the Internet is that it's not so much, you know, the Internet is harmful because obviously like it's a communication. It's like a book. Right. Books themselves are not harmful. It's about what's put in them. But what I think what's interesting is that just like the Marble Man and Joe Camel as an ad kind of lifted up. Right. And helped to draw more attention and cool factor to smoking, which otherwise the message to people would be this is bad for you. And thus kids would not be using it, probably that. In the internet age, the conversations around the algorithm, right? This computer program that picks and chooses what you see, right? It's not just a list of stuff that people posted. It is deciding based upon your interests and a million other factors, what you see and what you're most likely to be interacting with. So getting back to the point here, it's not so much that it's bad that this stuff exists on Instagram, right? Like, yeah, there are some people who go through really tough stuff and they share about it and it helps to build community and helps people get through it all. And amen to that. But the question is, when is it being surfaced to people who otherwise would not have found it? And when is it okay, essentially, to put someone on a soapbox in front of your kid, right, on their phone and just let them, you know, go? And that is where the challenge is, right? And if we remove that soapbox, would they have found that stuff on their own? Or would they have found it maybe later in life when they when it was more appropriate? And that that is the challenge that I think Facebook's really up against. Right. And kind of going back to the idea of legislating right now, yeah. Ohio's law is kind of on hold. But I also heard today that one of the pressures on Meta may have been the fact that in Europe, they're farther along on the arc of requiring some pretty hefty regulations, right? And that maybe this was kind of Meta's first shot across the bow, let's say, to avoid getting slammed with some really heavy restrictions. What do you think on that? I mean, I think this is their 326th shot across the bow trying to solve the problem. I, I mean, I think the challenge here is that they've been trying to solve some of this for a long time, partially because of public pressure, right, from journalists like you and me, and part of it from politicians, but also part of it because I I know a lot of people there, right? And 
these are human beings who work at these companies. They have kids too, right? They're worried about these things. One of the most interesting data points I've I've always just been amazed by is how much tech executives in Silicon Valley limit the amount of time they let their kids use technology. Right? You would think it's like a it's like a funhouse in their in their homes, but in fact, they're pretty restrictive. And so I think they are themselves trying to solve some of these problems. And look, you know, we can go back to Oppenheimer, right? And it's like he he you know he built the bomb, saw the destruction. He's like, oh my god, what did I do? And I I oftentimes think about that when I think honestly of Mark Zuckerberg, because yes, he's created this tool, it's done a lot of good things, but there are a lot of negative follow-on effects that have happened. And now it's the sticky part of what do we do about it? Europe is way ahead of us generally when it comes to this stuff. They have been very much on the forefront of legislating the tech industry. And in fact, they've been impacting us, right? The reason that, for example, when you go to a website and it says, are you okay with us collecting cookies about you and all that? And you press okay. That's because in Europe, there are far stricter rules that were implemented several years ago that forced them to be much more open with you about how they use your data. And if they aren't, they have to get rid of it or they can be sued for like massive amount of money. So, you know, part of this is, yes, pressure from Europeans. And thank goodness they're doing that because here in the States, it seems like we can barely pass a budget at this point. But I am curious how far this is all going to go. And also, at the end of the day, what can the tech companies do, right? Because just like Oppenheimer, like he built the bomb, well, he helped build the bomb, but then it was on the governments around the world to actually solve the question of its destructive power. And I think some of the challenge rests with you and me, right? It definitely rests with Facebook too, 100%. But it also kind of rests with us, right? And having those conversations and trying to solve some of these issues within our families and in our communities. Right. I had a conversation with one of the professors at the University of Akron here this week about this issue. She's got kids and she teaches a class on social media. And she was saying, really, no matter what happens legislation wise or even technology wise, the bottom line is that parents need to be involved and they need to be yeah. seeing what their kids are doing, setting up those parental controls and everything, which I guess for her is more effective because her kids are small enough that she can control that. But, you know, you get you get a kid that's once they get to be about 12, 13, 14, I mean, they're going to be able to run circles around their parents on this. So that's why I'm thinking that some controls on the side of the technology are worth it, are worth exploring. Yeah. If parents could control what their kids do, then kids would never have any fun. You know? That's true, and, too. And we yeah. know that they do. You know, I yes. know I did. I, well, I did a lot and, of things my parents didn't like. You know. Right. And and we have to make mistakes and, and move through life, right? That's part of how we become who we are. And what I think Facebook's job is, is to make sure that that process does not turn into trauma. And, and I think that is what's really important, right? The extreme situations. And you can go back to the Protestant Reformation, rock and roll, Magic the Gathering, MTV, right? All of these instances where you can't control what people do, right? There's There can be as much of a hoopla about it as you want. At the end of the day, people are going to still find it. The, the question is, how do we make sure that the worst elements are being handled and that the worst instances are solved? 
And and I think that is, yes, definitely a place where technology needs to work. But, you know, we're also in the marketplace of ideas and we very much value free speech. Europe, they don't have the same free speech laws, right? In, in Germany, I, I always, it's amazing. You have to remember that the swastika, right? The Nazi symbol is banned in public. In fact, to the point where like movies and video games and stuff like that can't have it. And so what does that mean, right? Like we believe in free expression. So we see it here in the States, but even then like the video game industry, I talk to them all the time. They constantly have to change things to deal with laws around other countries. Because like even in China, they don't want to have any country's flags in the video games because they think that's too political. Okay, mm. right? Like that's a huge problem when you have a video game about like reenacting World War II. Right. So these things are really, really tough and interesting challenges. Right. And it's fascinating to watch them try to solve these things. I think where the social media companies can draw the line, it seems to me that they can, is on things like, you know, sharing child pornography yep. and exhortations to kill yourself. Like one of the big stories here in our area in the past year was a boy, he was like a senior in high school and he had, you know, taken some nude selfies and somehow mm -hmm. they got out and then he mm -hmm. got extorted by who knows, yep. who knows who somewhere in the world. And so he wound painful. up committing suicide and it was terrible. Oh. It was enabled by social media. I mean, somebody yeah. from somewhere found him and found these pictures and then they put all this pressure on him. And we've heard of these other stories about kind of these cyber kidnappings and things yep. like that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know whether there are technological buttons they can push in the background to block that kind of content, but it seems to me that maybe they could. I mean, well, aren't, there, aren't most of the images some, tagged yeah. or not? Well, so there are some technologies that have been built to solve for this. So, uh, for, you know, part of this actually is business pressure. So the music industry, for example, was hugely angry that YouTube had tons of videos that had music in it that were not licensed. And so YouTube had to build a technology to identify music when it's being used and then either allow the right holder, right, the musician to or their their, you know, the company to block the music or to take the ads from it and make the money themselves or whatever else. Microsoft worked with a number of companies and the government to create a technology called photo DNA. And what it does is it actually identifies uh, a known set of child abuse imagery, or you know, it can be used on anything, but it's mostly child abuse imagery, and immediately be able to identify it as it's being uploaded. Mm. It's incredible technology. It has made the internet significantly better. The challenge, of course, is that people are always creating new child abuse imagery. And so the technology only works so far, right? And then it can't. And they've tried to build technology that can identify, well, this looks like it could be child abuse imagery, but guess what happens? If I post an image of my son who's in uh, the bath and there's bubbles all around him, it may still identify that as child abuse. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I get a knock at the door. So it's really, really sticky stuff. And what it comes down to is that, you know, I, I've constantly talked about this with these companies, is that the internet in a lot of ways was built 
assuming good faith, right? People acting in good faith, wanting to build community, making life better for each other. And when people act in bad faith, right? They want to traumatize someone. They want to hurt people or even misinformation, disinformation, right? That's part of this conversation too. People purposely trying to make people think something that isn't true. All of those things are things that exist in the world be without social media, but that algorithm, right? Getting back to the whole conversation, keeps giving a megaphone to some of the worst people. And that is where I think technology can step in. Well, that sounds interesting. And I'm glad that you helped connect some of the dots there. As we wrap up, where do you think this is going to go? We've got it with Meta now, so that's Facebook and Instagram, but probably most kids these days, at least people that I know and what I've heard from trends is they're using TikTok more than they're yep. using Meta products. So- and TikTok is not an American company. So what are you thinking as far as the other social media platforms like Snapchat or TikTok or whatever? I, this is part of why the conversation around laws keeps coming up, right? Is that if companies aren't going to legislate themselves correctly, then we need to do it for them. That's why we have a legal system in the first place. So creating those guardrails legally, I think it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening. We have seen so many times that lawmakers in DC try to come up with laws to solve for something. And it ends up, we learn that they barely understand what they're legislating about, right? One of the most famous moments in Silicon Valley history is Mark Zuckerberg being grilled in the US Senate over some, you know, one of the latest privacy scandals. And the second question or the third question he gets is, how do you make money? And, you know, everyone slaps their forehead. And what's fascinating, I, you know, I have I have friends who were in the room in, in Facebook when that happened at, you know, in Silicon Valley. And it was cheering because they all knew yeah. nothing's going to happen. In fact, Wall Street at that moment, you can see it. If you go back to that day, the stock for Facebook jumped because the investors knew nothing was going to happen. That is part of the challenge as well is having people who understand what the heck is going on in charge of some of these issues for our government. And that is apparently a very, very tough issue. Well, yeah. So, you know, getting back to the conversation I had with somebody here in our area, it's like, well, you know, then it's on parents. And it's like, well, okay, but they can only do so much. Yep. So, and now that artificial intelligence is involved in this, I'm thinking that it's possible, like that technology you talked about that identifies the bad stuff, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it can become more effective with, you know, the application of enough of the big data. I, I don't yep. know, but. Um, no, you're right. And, and you know? it, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of indications that it might, but what we don't want to do is infringe on free speech, right? And allowed speech, if you will, right? And, and part of the challenge is that these things, and look, I've learned coding myself. And the one thing I've learned is that coding any problem, it's almost like you have a massive hammer and everything looks like a nail, right? Like the problem is that getting things to work correctly, just like any art, right? Creating a beautiful image, building a beautiful thing, it takes time. It takes a lot of effort. It is not as easy as just taking a hatchet to it. And, and I think that's part of what we're still seeing as a problem.
That was former CNET editor-at-large and current CBS News tech contributor Ian Schur. And I'm Jean Destro. Thanks for listening to this special bonus edition of This Week in Tech. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. This has been This Week in Tech with Gene Destro on WAKR, brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton, 